This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the 4,000 members that we have. And um, we just, our goal is to provide the real facts, the real stats about everything that's happening. And not only stats and facts, but some good strategies. Um, And today we have a different show. It's first time we've tried this. I think I'm going to like it. Um, takes a lot of pressure off of me. <laughs> and, and we're going to have a little panel discussion. We have three people in here. Uh, one of them is a one-home property manager, uh, or, or not property manager, uh, property owner, where, uh, it, and let me introduce you first so we know who we're talking about. Uh, it, it's Brent Hoffman, and Brent bought a home, lived in it for a while, and then decided to, to move. Did you move up? Yeah, oh. we decided to move to our, our second home, and um, it's been a good experience so far, but um, I'm excited to be here and kind of talk about, uh, you know, a landlord in a home. Yeah, and this is a scenario that many people have been in, and many more people will be in, uh, because it's common to buy a home and then grow out of it and move on up uh, and and keep the other one for whether it be for retirement investment or weekend projects and and actually that's how I got started I I bought a home lived in it for a year and then saved up some more money bought another one kept that one as a rental and so the only thing is when I say weekend projects eh, Sometimes it turns into more than that, and that's what we're going to talk about. You've got some great scenarios to throw out, and uh, to help answer those questions, we have Maria Contreras Wapner. Uh, she's the broker owner of Tylar Property Management. Good morning. Morning, Don. How are you? Thanks Good. for having me. Sure, and a Fresno native, <laughs> and uh, been in real estate for quite a few years, and so thirteen you, years been in real estate. Truly thir- love it. Yeah, truly so, love it. So you know a thing or two. <laughs> All right. There's going to be a few questions that we're not going to be able to answer. Therefore, we brought along the the end all, and that would be Louis Coronado, who is an attorney who has successfully prosecuted thousands of evictions since 1996. Uh, local guy. He's been on the show before, so. Uh, you should have no problem with all this, right, Louie? No, Don, it shouldn't uh, be too much of a problem, but, uh, you know, the laws have been changing quite a bit, so we'll, we'll take them case by case. Yeah. In fact, I think the need for legal assistance has really increased the last few years with some of the new laws that are really coming down on the housing providers and the tenants. I would agree. Yeah, it's becoming a lot more uh, complicated, and I think the era of the individual landlords is, you know, to have the resources to stay on top of the changes, it's it's challenging. Mm-hmm. 
I know I've called Louie a time or two, and it's like, uh, what do I do? Okay. <laughs> and, and I should know. I mean, I've done this for a lot of years. I should know these things, but that's how com complicated it can be. However, don't let that scare you away from doing what Brent Hoffman has done. I, I think that's an excellent idea. I had a client call me this week saying they want to do that. It, it, they don't know about you or they didn't even know about this show coming up they just said that uh, we want to get in we want to move out of here buy another home and keep this as a rental she said what do you think I had to say I think it's a great idea because it's a great retirement income absolutely and, and a supplemental income right and that's mm -hmm. kind of what our goal was was hopefully being able to get a cash flowing property um, to be a secondary income and a long-term investment for our family. So um, it's I'm excited to be here to kind of talk about some of these scenarios that um, I'm just starting to go through and hopefully can perfect for the future with these professionals next to me. And one thing I learned one time, it's not just the supplemental income, the future income, it's the tax write-offs too. <laughs> I, I remember one time going into my uh, accountant to do taxes and I said, well, this is what I did. And I think, I, you know, I did this 1031 exchange. I said, I am, I shortened my uh, loan payoff time from 22 more years down to 15 years. I uh, increased the, or, or I decreased the negative cash flow, which used to be common when interest rates were 12%. And, um, I got more rent too. I said, so I, I feel like I, I won three ways. He shakes his head. He goes, you don't even know what you've done yet, do you? I go, no. <laughs> he said, tax wise, you just quadrupled your um, depreciation amount. So tax wise, it was, he called it a grand slam. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'd like to throw it out there now, Brent. What? Give us a scenario that you've had, and, and let's see, let's talk about it, see how it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. So for the listeners, um, I'll, I'll catch you guys up to speed with some of the questions that I formulated based off our personal experience. So um, uh, as Don mentioned, we invested in our first home and then eventually upgraded to a second home. We were fortunate enough to do so. Um, at the time of our lives, we have two little ones, and I also travel for work. So um, we felt that it would be best to get a property management company to assist us with managing this first rental. We, um, to Louie's point, just being nervous about some of the California laws and things, we wanted to make sure that we did it the right way. Um, and so far, the first we've been doing it for about three years. The first year went great. Um, but then through COVID, uh, we started having some uh, challenges with our tenant, um, uh, specifically with just receiving rent and uh, navigating some of those challenges was was tough. And so I'm excited today to ask some of these questions and really lean on you guys with your feedback on um, the best way to go about getting solutions to those challenges. <laughs> All right. Um, Why don't you hit us up with a scenario? Yeah. So. Uh, the first scenario that um, I guess I was naive at doing was, and this may be a question for you, Maria, was um, we decided maybe a year before we um, uh, moved that we wanted to get solar. And so um, when we got our solar, 
we did what was called a power purchase agreement. And so um, they're technically not our solar panels, but our name is under that contract. And so when writing up our contract for our tenant, um, it was informed to us that um, for utilities, uh, we would have to continue paying for the solar agreement um, and the, the tenant um, would be in charge of PG&E, but it was kind of a tough way to navigate that. So we decided to, you know, working with our property management company, increase the rent enough to cover the additional electricity that I was having to pay for that the solar was producing. Um, I kind of wanted to lean on you to see, you know, if you've dealt with that before and um, okay. what, yeah, what um, the best advice would be. For yeah, that. Brent, we, in our company, we deal with that a lot. A lot of our owners do have solar. A lot of them do have this power purchase agreement. So how it works, how we do it and how you can, you're, you are able to increase your rent to include that payment for your um, solar panels. Um, you know, you just have to be, make the tenant aware that this is why, you know, this is, this is what comes with the rent. You get in the solar panels, explain to them the benefits of solar. Um, also, but you also have to explain to them that if they go over the allotted time, allotted amount, they're still going to be responsible for that extra payment. For the true up bills. For the right? true up bill, yeah. actually. So a lot of time, you know, when they're, when a tenant is signing a lease, they're not really paying attention to all that. They just want to. They want to get the keys and move on their way. So for me, I sit down just like any contract and I'm explaining to them and I have them initial. That way they know that, okay, I understand at the end of the year, I'm gonna have a true up bill. I'm gonna have that extra thing to do. Um, another thing that we do allow the, our tenants to do is that they can pay it themselves, that you know they, you don't pay it, that they'll be responsible for paying it. So some, you know, they don't want to have that extra increase in their rent, but they can pay it on the side. Okay. So we do, and that again is also included in their contract. And they're paying that to the landlord because the they're paying it directly. Under my they're name paying it I directly to. They perfect. pay it to us, and then we pay it to you. Got it. So okay. everything that a property management handles money-wise always comes to the company, and then it goes. We pay you directly. Okay. So. That is, you know, it's compli complicated and can be scary because it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to get that payment? You know, sure. it's not benefiting you if you're still having to pay it. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Well, and then that leads me to maybe my second question, which was um, uh, as we started, you know, going through the process with the tenant, um, we started um, getting late payments. And then after the late payments came in, they stopped coming in at all. And so, um, I, you know, I guess I wanted to kind of navigate that with you and ask like, you know, at first we offered them, you know, um, maybe they could pay a little bit less upfront to kind of recoup some of the payments. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just stopped receiving them. And so at that point it was like, okay, now what's the next steps for us? So, in property management, there are, certain, there are certain steps, legal steps that you have to take in order that once a tenant does stop paying rent or even contacting you, answering the phones, anything like that. Um, so what happens is if you've done everything you can, one of the final things is before we go see our attorney <laughs> is you give them a three-day notice, a notice to pay or quit. So once that happens, um, they, they don't you know, answer or anything like that in that regards, that's when we usually contact our bankruptcy attorney, our bankruptcy, our eviction attorney, and he takes it from there, but just because we hire out on all of, we hire out on our evictions. So I'd like to ask, 
the three-day notice is now given. They don't pay. They don't call back. Louie, what happens then from, from the legal standpoint? Um, run, run us through that eviction mm -hmm. process. Well, that three-day notice and the proof of service and the lease are all mm -hmm. used as to support the unlawful detainer action, kind of a, a hybrid small claims action, but uh, that is filed, served upon the tenant, and then they have so many days to file a written response if they choose to do so, due to. Uh, then there will be a trial, small trial. <coughs> Usually they're not very long. Ultimately, an order will be issued by the court and goes to the sheriff and they schedule a lockout date and either the management company or the owner is notified when and, and uh, where to uh, meet the deputy sheriff to hand over possession of the property. Takes about seven weeks from the time you file that eviction to about the time the sheriff does the lockout. Give or take a holiday or extraordinary mm -hmm. legal defenses, things of that nature. So seven weeks, that's longer than what it used to be, because it used to be four weeks, maybe. Yeah, well, they changed the law in regards to the time period calculations on three-day notices that we used to count weekends and holidays. Now we don't, and the same thing relating to how long a tenant has to file an answer. It's court days, it's not calendar days, so they added another week or so, mm. and then the sheriff Hopefully they're not listening. They're a great bunch of guys over there, but they get busy too, and it takes a little while on their end as well, but they're all great. They do a good job. Okay, yeah, and I could see how this wouldn't be uh, the same as a bank robbery going on. It, it, it's not that emergency. Well, the Sheriff's Department has a civil division there. They're in charge oh. of you know warrants and all the other things, non-criminal related things, uh, but you know some of these evictions can be a little bit concerning too. You know, if there's been issues with that tenant being sometimes three-day notices are not based on rent they're based upon some other disturbances so yeah i mean they they carry weapons and they're ready to do anything necessary that comes their way all right um we do have to go to our first commercial break uh, but when we get back brent's got a few more scenarios for us and uh, we're gonna see what happens there from our property manager and our attorney all right thank you very much uh we'll be right back in about three minutes Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. We're taking care of business today, uh, the rental business. And we have a little panel discussion going on here with Brent Hoffman, who uh, bought, a, bought his second home, kept the first home as a rental. And you've incurred um, different situations. I'll, I'll, that's to put it nicely. <laughs> um, but it, and to help answer the questions that you would have to the um, scenarios. We have uh, Maria here, who is a property manager. We have Louis Coronado here, who is a, uh, an attorney on, that specializes in landlord-tenant law. So, Brent, I think you got another scenario you wanna throw out there. Yeah, well, I wanted to piggyback off the discussion that we had before the break, which was, you know, Louis alluded to the time that it takes to get the tenant to get evicted. And so as a landlord, you know, that's um, cash flow that I'm having to um, control or, you know, take responsibility of while we're waiting for the legal process to lay out. And also through that process, um, I was nervous about our house. I didn't know the condition that it was in. And so I wanted to at least see if there was a way to take action on 
um, doing a drop-in and letting us at least get into the house to see the property during that period of time. And I didn't know what our rights were or um, how we would go about that process. So I guess my question to you guys would be, you know, did I have the right to, you know, do a, a drive-by or knock-in and, and, you know, warn them, hey, in 24 hours we're going to come in because we want to inspect the property? Right. No, that's a great question. A lot of owners do think that since it is their house that they can just pop in. Mm-hmm. I have my own key. I can go in. Unfortunately, the tenant has signed a contract, and so that's their house that they're living in. They don't own the house, but it's their home. So there are some certain legal ways you have to go about that. Um, first, you have to give them a 48-hour notice. You know, once again, if they're not, you know, listening to that, complying to the 48-hour notice, you hear nothing back from them. Then you again, here goes a three-day notice, <laughs> you know, to perform, right. to perform or com- and comply with what you're doing. Um, letting them know if at that point you don't get an answer from them we do go in we allow we'll go with you want to go with me I will send my property supervisor or myself I will go in we've given them ample time and ample notice that hey we're coming in and are we gonna go through their personal belongings absolutely not you're just there to check on the house whether you're checking for damages whatever you're looking at Um, we've given them ample time now if they're there and they're not letting us in can't do anything with that then here we go back to our our attorney to get our you know to get us in the door um unfortunately we you have some of those tenants that aren't going to let you in you know um, louie can we get can they get in the door well i would say that probably if there's some sort of exigent circumstances i i usually tell my clients that if unless there's smoke coming out the windows or water coming out the door uh, or you're aware of something that's uh going on with the property that affects the, the, the value, the integrity of the structure, then I think it's the methodology that Maria is talking about. Otherwise, if you just feel like you need to go in there because you just feel like you want to check it out, I would probably not advise you to, do, to go in at all. I mean, you can certainly do the 48-hour ent- entry, but if they're not there, if they don't consent, I would be a little hesitant to tell you to do anything else because it's, it's a problem. So, And I could just see that... Uh, tenant showing up in court saying I was harassed they, they wanted in and, and I couldn't even have dinner with my children I right see that I mean this is this is usually in a situation there's probably other things going on perhaps the relationship is deteriorating and you really don't need if there's nothing going on with the house you really don't need to poke the bear so to speak you know <laughs> yeah. if their days are already right. limited don't want a gasoline that effect. If uh, there's an eviction that's filed, I'd say the relationship has deteriorated. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So, it, and that's where it's good to say if you get, uh, as the property owner, you get the call, you just say, hey, you talk to my property manager or my attorney, mm-hmm. whoever is uh, in charge of that. Because um, you got to be careful what you say, too. It could be misconstrued as, oh, yeah, they'll give me extra time. Uh, I had that happen where one time many years ago that they told the sheriff that um, I had said they could have as much time as they needed. <laughs> I remember the sheriff looking at me. Uh, he, he, he went on with it. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually pretty good to put, as all lawyers I want to tell you, Make sure it's in writing. And nowadays, it's much easier. You want writing that can be uh, duplicated down the road should you find yourself, you know, in court and have mm-hmm. to prove what was said. So if you 
have a practice of just communicating through text or emails, or even you have a phone conversation and something meaningful is stated one way or the other, send a confirming text to, so that now we have something in, of a record that we can use later on so it can't be used against you, because it, it can be. Sure. Exactly. So I'm, I'm praying there's a light at the end of the tunnel here um, because I'm going through this currently, but we were eventually able to get the tenant out and um, we now have awesome new tenants in today. Um, but we still have this looming, um, you know, legal situation with the tenant that she, you know, owes us a lot of money. And so um, I know that our property management company has taken her to collections and they've ex explained that through the vor formal documentation of all the expenses they've incurred uh, throughout this process, they'll eventually garnish her wages to eventually potentially give us some of the money back. I wanted to ask you, Maria, you know, in your experience, what's the percentage of your clients that actually get money back or see that <laughs> get back? And I hope it's good news. <laughs> you know, to answer that, it's it's a long time. I mean, you have to wait. It's a court. It's the court process. You're if you're going to go to small claims, if you're going to go attach their wages, um, it's it can take a while because not only that, we're also out. You know, our percentage. Right. So we it's a, it's a waiting game is for us. We. Thank goodness in this whole COVID thing, we didn't have a whole lot of tenants that didn't pay their rent. We have a couple and we're still waiting, uh, what, a year later to get some money? Um, because again, you know, like we were discussing before the show, um, you know, the payments that were available to tenants during that time. So right. the ones that didn't apply, we're still waiting. So, I mean, What's your, what's your, what do you think, Louis? You're talking about going after the former tenant who owes you money? Yeah, so we didn't, uh, she eventually left the property um, and we didn't have to go to small claims court, but we still have these looming expenses that our property management company has filed to collections to garnish eventually her wages. Right, well before, um, you, before you can get a garnishment, you have to have a court order judgment. Mm -hmm. So the cheapest way to get that is probably through small claims. Uh, generally for like maybe $150 you can get that thing converted into a judgment once you file with a small claims court it takes like six weeks to have your trial tenant has 30 days to appeal it before, so that means you have to wait another 30 days before you can attempt to do a garnishment okay. uh, one thing you should be mindful is one the cost of going forward on a judgment as opposed to the likelihood of recovering it um, because this is an obligation usually one of the last obligations a person's going to stop paying, which means that there may already be other judgments from other expenses that they let go first. You know, the, the roof over the head is something that's the last thing to go. So you probably have someone who's not in a very good financial state anyways. There may be prior garnishments already in play, which means you're not going to get anything. Uh, the other more common means of collecting judgments is uh, uh, bank levies. But if they don't even have a bank account because they've been paying you money orders, then that doesn't exist. Um, so really absent and employment and if you're working part-time at any job nowadays it's probably not going to be enough to where you're going to be any money left to uh, satisfy your judgment. Louis, do you know through the COVID pr uh, period were there any California landlord pro programs that I could have assigned you know maybe applied for to recoup any of this through this experience because you know, during the COVID process, she had mentioned she had lost her job and that was part of it, which right. were some of the programs we talked about for pro tenant, but I was wondering if there was any programs that, and I was told there wasn't, but. Well, there was the, the emergency rental assistance program, mm -hmm. which was 
billions of dollars, and I think there's still even money being given out to that program today. It is, they've been prioritizing the claimants now to those persons who've not availed themselves who are living there. Technically, the statute said that you could even get that even if the tenant leaves, they can still apply to pay their former uh, landlord. Whether those funds are still there or not is another matter, but the City Tenant. of Fresno, are you in the City of Fresno? I am. The City of Fresno has its ERAP program, so I would check with them, see if there's a... Call Fresno County. They can help you, because I know in our office, for the tenants, when the whole program started, um, we were content, we went out of our way to make sure that, you know, all payments continued coming in. So we contacted our tenants and let, asked them, you know, what's your financial situation? Oh, I'm not working, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a panic. So we had our girls, one of my girls is fully trained on knowing how to fill out the forms. Because if you don't fill out the form completely, they'll toss it back. So we've helped our tenants um, fill out those forms so they they get the access to the money that's available to them. The, but there is also a program for our owners. Um, now are those programs starting to run out? They're getting on the borderline. We probably have about six more months left on those. So I would contact city of the county of Fresno. But it'd be something I could you could fill out to, mm -hmm. okay? Good mm -hmm. on lost money. I think it does require the tenant, tenant. to participate. The, unfortunately, they well they do and they don't. That she can the owners can fill out the forms, but then there's also the tenants that can fill out the form to get money. And the money doesn't go directly to the tenants; it comes directly to us. So and then we give it to you know just disperse it as and our goes. tenant wasn't uh, willing to participate in it. so that's why <laughs> they I was have to be willing to landlord well, only this all ran out program. statutorily in march of last year but in actuality you had to avail yourself to the erap program as a landlord before you could turn around and sue that person in small claims because if you went to small claims that's one of the things they're going to ask you did you submit an ERAP application? If you did not, they can lower your claim up down to whatever amount you could have gotten otherwise. Got it. Uh, but that was only for rent that accrued through, I believe, March of 2022. Mm -hmm. I have a quick question on that. So if the tenant applies for the ERAP program, does the landlord have to comply also to make this process go through? As of March, of 20, March 31st of 2022, no, the landlord no longer mm -hmm. had to cooperate but what they would do if I'm not mistaken the ERAP program if the landlord refused and the tenant otherwise qualified they would give the money directly to the tenant mm -hmm. um, so it's a that's a problem, that so was a problem. but if you do and this is a, this is a problem that we had now mm -hmm. even because ERAP is still up and running so if you give a three-day notice for the rent and then you have me file the eviction now we're a couple weeks into the eviction and all of a sudden you get this little email from ERAP saying oh by the way do you want to do this if you do that's fine but at that moment, your eviction is frozen, mm -hmm. and hopefully that tenant does eventually qualify. So make sure you've got a good. Because then you got to start the process all over again. Yeah, yeah. So as time flies, it is time for another uh, commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio nine forty KYNO. Back. Host here in the studio with us, we have quite a panel. We have Brent Hoffman, who is a one-home landlord, uh, and I'm going to change the name from landlord to housing provider because it is more appropriate. 
I think the term landlord came up in the 1600s with English law. Uh, so um, a housing provider, because you're providing a home for somebody. And as long as there's a mutually beneficial situation, uh, it all works fantastic. You'll achieve your goals, they'll achieve their goals. Now, we also have Maria Contreras-Wapner of Tylar Property Management here and Louis Coronado, a, an attorney on landlord-tenant law. Um, let's talk about something positive, communication. <laughs> um, how, how do the two parties work together to make that a nice home? Um, and I'm gonna throw out a scenario. Let's say that the tenant says, um, you know, I could really use new carpet. Um, it's not so much in the cash flow. How, how, what's a good way to work that? And um, Maria, you might be the right one to, <laughs> oh, you should see the look on Maria's face with that question. <laughs> So, communicate. <laughs> so, communication is is 100% the best tool you can have within the property management company, the owner, and the tenant. Um, if there's no communication, then you, you're just going to be in a world, a mess. Um, so, Don's scenario, the tenant calls, hey, my, you know, after a while, carpets seem to stretch and they loosen up. And we've had tenants call, oh, you know, it's a tripping hazard or whatever. It's just loose. I want new carpet or whatever, you know. So we'll go out there as a property management or even as a, if you're managing your own property, you know, schedule a time to go out there to go take a look at the property. You don't want to tell them absolute, you don't want to shut down immediately and tell sure. them no. Hey, let me come out and take a look at it. Um, so you schedule the time to go out. We send out our maintenance crew. They go out. Pictures, always take pictures. I can't, I can't tell you enough how Pictures are everything. <laughs> if something <laughs> happens down the road, you have the picture. So we go out there. Maybe the carpet is a little bit older, but it's not. There's not not worn. You know, it needs to be stretched. So we'll call the carpet company out and have them stretch it, which means they tighten it. They pull it in a little bit more. Have it professionally cleaned if it can be cleaned. If at that point, if it's cleaned and it's stretched and it's going back to the loose, then maybe you have to sit and discuss yeah I can do this you know I I'll figure this out um, you know because if it's especially if it's a good tenant if it's a great tenant pays her rent on time she rarely calls on any maintenance issues you don't want to lose that tenant you want to keep right. her happy yeah you know happy tenant means her rent so he's coming in yeah <laughs> you just nailed it Maria you just nailed it <laughs> and this is where the tenant could really come in you make that if you're good to to the housing provider then that housing provider doesn't want to lose you. That's right. There, there's that communication. Um, so rather than being a negative, high-maintenance tenant, be a good tenant. Mm -hmm. And good things will come to you. Uh, and that's exactly what I've done. I have rewarded people for being good and, and being respectful. To exactly, me. And, and I've had some the other way, very disrespectful to me. Well, um, you know, I had one who's, oh, a lot of problems. And they said, you know, I want an upgrade on this house. It has a swamp cooler and it's uninhabitable. 
that way. So need you to put an air conditioner in. My comment was, you know, people have lived in this home for almost 50 years with a swamp cooler. That's the way it is. She ended up moving. I, I got new tenants in who now appreciate the home. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. all right. So you you nailed it when you. <laughs> so, it, it's it's How you it's a relationship. Tenants, yep. Yeah, uh, and speaking of relationships, I, here's a respectful one. I had a client during COVID who said um, the tenant told me he goes, "Boy, that's ridiculous that I only have to pay twenty five percent of my rent uh, with this." covid law that came out he goes how does a guy like you survive if i if i'm only going to pay 25 percent?" so see that's uh, and i looked at it as there's a tenant who's looking outside his own self looking at how that impacts others right and so that's a good thing uh, and if they want a new carpet they got it Well, and as talking about positives, one question I had uh, for Maria was, you know, what are the benefits of, you know, just for our listeners out there like me who kind of started in this, um, what are the benefits of using a a property management company Mm -hmm. along with that communication? And so everything's not negative in property management (laughs) or being a landlord or a home provider. Um, So when you're, you get peace of mind as a person that has just bought a home and now you're thinking of managing it, you've got to take into the factors, oh my gosh, okay, so our, our tenant might call me in the middle of the night, they might have this question, now they're gonna call me. Tenants tend to call for everything all the time. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> whether you're on vacation, they don't care where you're at. <laughs> right. You know, they want something fixed. So you have to take that into, uh, take that into, you know, think about that property manager you're now giving me the headache it's not you know that's my job i enjoy it people tenants are calling us we're getting our maintenance crew out there right away um you you know you don't have to worry about oh my gosh i got to go collect the rent how how are you going to do that are you going to set up an online account for them to pay online are you going to go knock on their door oh my god they're not home you know (laughs) i have to come back tomorrow that type of deal um so you have to take that into effect everything and how you know how you're going to manage all this how we're your books, you have to keep books on when the rent is paid, when it's late, you know, are you gonna charge late fees? All, there's so much involved. A property management company, they, ha- they supply you everything. You get a monthly statement letting you know of everything. We have an online program. You can, you're able to see when a tenant calls, what the situation was. So it's peace of mind for you. Absolutely. That's, that's why you pay us to take care to give you peace of mind and just get your rent check at the end of the month. Right. When I'm at the kids' <laughs> t-ball game, you know, exactly. You don't have to worry you about, to worry about that. You're game. able yeah. to enjoy your life and enjoy the reason why you bought an investment property right. instead of stressing over. Oh my gosh, I got to go get call a floor guy. I got to call the AC guy. Let us take that headache away from you. You know, we have we offer all of that. That's what a good property management does. That's awesome. So. All right, and um, how about? What happens when a tenant causes an issue, um, a a repair? For example, they left the water on and it it flooded the floor. Um, Or something as simple as not changing the air filter for a long time and all of a sudden your HVAC system is down. Or here's a common one, constant uh, drain cloggage and plumber keeps pulling out toys 
<laughs> out, out of the drain pipe. How, how can a uh, landlord, housing provider, recover those costs? Or can they just say, hey, you caused a problem, you fix it. Is, is that a viable way to do it? Well, I mean, the tenant is obligated to pay for the repairs of anything that exceeds normal wear and tear. So certainly a uh, toilet is not the <laughs> appliance for flushing toys. So, yeah, if your plumber can verify that that, in fact, was the cause of the blockage, then, yeah, you, your tenant is, is responsible for the entire amount of that cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gets a little more closer air filters. I think most management companies, they provide them because I think it's probably cheaper to do that than or even go the request they use that as a means to inspect smoke to inspect. alarm batteries right to those do are the six month inspections most tenants will allow you to come in and do things but when push comes to shove don't compel the issue um so yeah you probably should provide air filters um but even if the th- i would imagine it might be difficult to say you know a 20 year old ac whether or not the cause was in fact dirty air filters versus that so it would come <laughs> down to an hvac guy saying what the cause was, and that's how the issue would play out as to who's responsible for the repair. That was a personal experience with with us for sure. Was um, you know the tenant um, wasn't uh, you know complaining or requesting air filters, um, and so at the time it was kind of like don't poke the bear that's sleeping. You know if it, if they're fine and they're okay, then everything was okay. But then later on, coming to find out that our HVAC started having issues and we had to have it serviced and pay, and identifying that the air filter hadn't been cleaned in, you know, months. And so it was, like you said, kind of a tricky situation of, was that truly the reason the air filter got, or the HVAC got broken or not, but. I don't know what the the, uh, term is, but I imagine those things should be replaced every so often, whatever that is. So you probably should, as a landlord, kind of calendar that and, and say, okay, this house needs a new filter. Let's go drop a couple off, you know, sure. and, and hopefully they get and changed. Do you guys have maybe a, a schedule. We, we have a schedule for, for your age. All of our owners, we require them to have their their appliances services serviced. The HVA system, they have go out at least once a year and make sure they're serviced, that everything is up and running. They have to go in. They'll come out. Yeah, they need a new air filter. Mm. So we try to avoid the situation where no one's checking that air filter. Because I'm even guilty at my own house right. <laughs> to change my air filter. So, we you know, are. think about a tenant. Are they really going to worry about it now? So if we require a servicing, we're hand- nipping it right in the bud right then and there. Um, then we also, you know, we always ask our owners, do you have a home warranty? Because a lot of our homeowners do have the home warranties. And, you know, it's a big expense if you don't. I mean, you know, um, but it also helps. And, yeah, it's a long process to use but it saves people money in the long run. Mm-hmm. But again, it's you're always making sure that, we're always making sure that maintenance, that servicing everything in the house as a tenant lives there is being done. That way we're avoiding any head, any future headaches of, you know, yeah. appliances, anything like that, yeah. so. And it's that time again for another commercial break, but it's the last one of the show. (laughs) So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. It's Don Scordino, your host, and here we have uh, Louis Coronado, landlord tenant attorney brent hoffman a property owner and maria Contreras wapner a property manager 
and our intro music or walk-up music as I like to say is I'm proud of that house we built and you know make your house a home and that's whether you're a homeowner a renter or you're sharing a home make uh, be proud if there was more pride in where we live uh, we wouldn't even be here on the show today because <laughs> there'd be no problems uh, being proud is, is the key okay I've got a question that just came from uh, one of the listeners and um, says he has a tenant moving out of a rental while their roommate stays the tenant was the original renter and wants to get deposits back not sure how this works uh, can I start with you Louie how- yeah the first question I would ask the landlord was were the two individuals uh, both part of the same lease meaning are they jointly liable if that if that is the case then you'll need a release from the departing tenant saying I no longer want to be held liable for this lease uh, and then uh, you could either carry over the deposit and just let it continue on uh, and then to deal with it at the end of the tenancy of that remaining uh, tenant um, but if they're both if the second if the, if the staying tenant is, is not part of the original lease or any lease with the landlord then probably the safest thing to do is just terminate the current lease dispose of the deposit do the inspection and then start fresh qualify the new remaining tenant with a new lease just as if he were just coming onto the property what if they're adversarial they they, they don't qualify uh, they don't in fact the reason they don't qualify is because they never applied and won't apply and, and won't communicate well they're if, just staying if they're if they're on the joint lease and one leaves the landlord's position is not changed he's still entitled to receive the monthly rent so if it doesn't if it does not happen then through the three-day notices how that will be resolved um, if this is the first time that the landlord found out in fact there is a second tenant who was not on the lease then you give it three day to perform saying we need an application from this gentleman to qualify to be on the property um, and then of course if he does meet the same requirements as the initial tenant then life goes on and he just is added to the lease formally but you're not obligated to release anybody um, until you know you, the contracts are signed to committing something to go forward mm-hmm. all right let's get into a hot topic and that would be uh, rent stabilization or rent increases or rental caps Um, Maria you're probably a a, a good (laughs) one on that yeah so here in Fresno um, we were discussing before the show this problem and some people you have to you can there's a way to exempt your home from being only able to rent your home raise the rent a certain amount um here in fresno it is usually right now 10 percent for single family homes if you have multiple properties you know like a duplex triplex fourplex whatever multiple properties it's seven and a half percent um to raise the rent on a yearly basis um there is there is some guidelines that california does a, um, offer it's ab 1482 take a look at that there's some guidelines that kind of help you and tell you what to do on that matter. Um, what we do, and again, it's about communication for me, for us and our company. So we, it is 10%, but we kind of try to stay a little bit below 
that we probably go 8% to 9%, sometimes a little bit lower. If it's a great tenant, if they're paying already a, the good amount, a high amount of rent, and here's my, oh, I want more money, well, okay, let's do that. But let's take a look at the books. Let's take a look. This tenant has paid her rent on time every right. month. There's no issues with the house. You drive by it, it looks like she's owning the house. Grass is green, everything's perfect. Why are we all of a sudden gonna just throw out, raise her rent $100, $120, depending on that 10%. Let's raise it only $50, let's raise it $75. Let's keep her happy. Yeah, you know, bottom line, we don't wanna have to go through the whole process of getting a new tenant in there. What if right. that tenant isn't as good as the new, the existing tenant? And you can incentivize by maybe doing a multi-year contract as well. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. Is that 10% affected by the, or is it still going to be the same percentage amount even depending it's on the It's going to be the same amount. Okay. So, I mean, it's, and you can do that. You know, hey, I'm only going to raise your rent, you know, 8% instead of the 10% but I'd like you to fill out another contract. You know, we're at, at the 11 month time, that's what we do. We'll go to the owner, we'll go to the tenant and give them the option. Do you want them to sign another contract or, cause, or it just goes month to month after the one year for us? Um, so, you know, a lot of times the tenant, oh, they're only gonna raise my rent, you know, 8%, I'll sign that contract, you know? So that's how we work it. So that assembly bill, 1482, I believe, that, mm -hmm. that came out, does that apply to someone like Brent that has a single family residence, only one rental? Um, it doesn't. The, the statute has a mechanism where someone like Brett could exempt mm -hmm. the property, but it's a form. You have to exempt it within the lease that you sign with the new tenant. If you do not exempt it, then it becomes um, subject to the, to the AB 1482. There are other requirements because a 15-year home or younger is exempt automatically uh, it's uh, so our section 8 tenancies those are exempt as well uh, multifamily homes are never exempt um, so it's always a case-by-case case. there's no blanket rule I, I always ask about five or six different questions you know when would this tenant move in you know was it before the law was enacted in 2020 uh, if so you may not be able to exempt ever um, expanding a little bit on the the caps it's it's 10% over the last 12 months so if you happen to raise it 8% six months ago you have to look back at any time you want to increase 12 months so that means you probably only have about 2% to mm -hmm. go yeah. um, so that's kind of the way that works and then of course if you once you get a new tenant in then it's, it's, you, you can set it to whatever mark it is uh, there was one other point that um, I'll get back to in a minute <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I, I have a question because we only have a couple of minutes left. But what's the difference between an eviction and terminating a lease? Nothing. I think they're all <laughs> used synonymously. Um, to me, it's I look at it as there's the pre-filing notice, any eviction, which is technically the unlawful detainer action. That's what's said on the bottom of the Judicial Council form that's filed court. Unlawful detainer. Um, requires some sort of notice be served prior to that. So that's a three-day notice, that's a 30-day notice, a 60-day notice, could be a 90-day notice. That's what people call the eviction. But before you file that thing with the court, you have to have served that notice. And the notice does nothing more than uh, give the tenant an opportunity to avoid being sued. It says in there, do this or get out. We won't come after you in court. If they stick around after that, then they can continue on. But to me, the eviction is the entire thing, I suppose. The eviction is when the sheriff shows up and says, sorry, but you've got to move on. Mm -hmm. 
All right, we just have a minute left. So first, I'd like to ask Brent, what what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Um, I want everyone, I'd like the listeners to know that other than the challenges that we've had with our first tenant, I think that um, if you are fortunate enough to have the ability to be a home provider and invest in a, have an investment for a long term, um, uh, that it's an awesome experience. And uh, doing it with a property management mm-hmm. company um, that can help educate you and protect you through certain situations like this and navigate those challenges has, um, is, uh, I think, a great recommendation. All right, and I didn't even prepare him for that one, and that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to hear. <laughs> All right, Maria, how about you? What, what do you want people to remember most about today's show? Just remember that it's not all negative about being a landlord, property, home provider. Um, get it with the right company to help you along the way. I mean, it's so beneficial for you in the long term. Uh, and communication. Communication with your tenants is, again, 100% the way to go. That's what I'd like everybody to remember. All right. Thank you. Louis Coronado, how about you? Well, when the communication fails and you have to come see someone like me, just make sure that you, before you do anything on your own, talk to someone because there's all kinds of different types of forms out there. You could, you could serve a 60-day notice, which you thought was fine, and then you come to me and I'm telling you, oh, it's wrong. We're going to have to do another 60 days. That's another two months that you're not getting rent. So just make sure that uh, you talk to someone who's available and knows a lot about the law because there's a lot of different versions of it out there. Mm-hmm. All right. And the thing I would like all our listeners to remember most is how much Welcome Home Radio appreciates our listeners and keeping us going. We're now in our third decade on this show. Uh, And like I've said in the past, it's really only 15 years, which is still a long time. But we started in 09, so that was one decade. Then we did the 10s and now the 20s. There's your three decades. So uh, we'll be back again next week. And uh, thank you for listening to Welcome Home Radio.